This podcast is sponsored by Barclay Estates and Management Bristol. Whether you're a landlord or a tenant, Barclay Estates and Management are committed to providing you with the best possible service. We provide a hassle-free service for landlords and access to properties all over Bristol and the surrounding areas. Three Peeps in a Podcast. This is a new show in the Three Peeps offering, and we're going to call it Robins Reunited. And the reason for that is because we will be getting two ex-players or staff back together to have a chat on the podcast about old times, recalling match days, player culture, biggest influences, life on the road in general, and where are they now? Um, and the first episode, obviously the pilot episode we're recording now, um, I couldn't start anywhere apart from somewhere that uh, someone I grew up with, actually, um, and that is Joe Bunnell. It's one that we've been talking about for quite some time uh, and trying to get this off, off and running. But um, yeah, it, we're going to get players together and, and just catch up on, on old time. So um, sit back, relax and uh, and enjoy it. So Joe Bunnell um, obviously joined as a YT. What year did you actually join as a YT, Joe? Um, I'm pretty sure that would have been uh, 1996, 97. Okay, so you were what, 16? So yeah, it would have been 16. Yeah, and obviously went to college and, and uh, yeah, became an apprentice. Yeah, okay. Um, and so we've got someone else with us, obviously, as well, and that is Danny Coles. Colesy, come in. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing all right, mate. So you two, did you start at the same time? Uh, you're a similar age, I know, but did, did, did Colsey come in at the same time? No, I come in a year later. Um, so Joe had already started, so I was just a year younger than him. Um, so yeah, 90, I think I was 98 that I come in. And you're, so you're a year below in terms of schooling year as well? Yeah. Okay, so Joe, tell us a little bit about your recollection of of being a YT, as it was known then. I guess it wasn't like the academy; you were you were a YT. Tell us about some of those early days. Was it the classic sort of image of cleaning players' football boots and and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, it was it was exciting times. What we always wanted to do, and uh, yeah, it was amazing. I got so many memories of like night games. We have to go down, you know, look after the pitch. Um, make sure the changing rooms were cleared. Obviously, dealing with Buster on a daily basis, and in, in, in giving us a hide in with his boxing gloves in the in the kit room in, uh, and and uh, in the boot room. So yeah, there were some great times. I remember being a YT in Liverpool, Liverpool coming to Ashton Gate for I don't know if it was a pre-season friendly or possibly a cup game. But I had to go on the bus after, so I met all the players. We've um, got a, a shirt signed, so we sat down, raised a relic at the back, and he gave me a beer. I was only like seventeen. So I'm sat between Mike Lowe and a Razor Rudder on, on the back of their, their their team bus, yeah, having a bit of them, basically. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's something we, we need to explore a bit more at some point. But um, I can remember that game. I think Michael Owen, that was the first time, obviously, I ever witnessed him. And I just remember him being so frighteningly quick. Electric. I think he scored. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He's only about, yeah, he's probably, well, I think he's a year, year or two above me. But he just came on the scene. But yeah, he ripped us apart. Yeah, I bet. So, so who was who was sort of your your mentor coach at the time? Um, we had a, a, a youth team coach called Pete Amos who took us, and Dave Burnside had not long come into the club, and he'd sort of set up what was the uh, start of the academy. 
So, uh, I mean, it was really good at the time. It was probably quite visionary in terms of the club of their level at the time. Um, we, I think they mimicked it on sort of Premier League clubs. I know we certainly used to play like against, like, like Danny will agree, like, um, like we play regularly, Chelsea, Arsenal. I mean, admittedly, we'd sometimes play against possibly their younger or weaker team, but I mean, we always competed with them. So yeah, it was that, and that was through David Burnside, Pete Amos at the time. I think it was when it 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 become an academy as well, wasn't it? Which I think we were one of the first years for it to actually become an academy. I think with that come kind of playing against a lot of the a lot of the best clubs in in the country. But they 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 were they were tough games, weren't they? In a weekend, we were every every game was a tough game because we would literally be against yeah some of the top top teams in the country. Well, I was discussing this with um, with with Tins when we had him on the other night, and saying that back in your day when you were down there, there was a reserve team, um, and then there was the first team, and then you obviously had the YTs. But now it's under 18s, under 23s, and the first team. So players that are on the fringes, you know, they aren't getting a game. So I'll just interrupt you there, Pascal. I listened to that, and you said to Tins on your podcast of the day. And uh, it took me back to my first ever reserve game as right back. Uh, and I would have been, say, 17 um, at West Ham, Upton Park. First half, I'm marking Paolo De Canio. Second half, he goes off. Trevor Sinclair comes on. My first ever reserve team game. Those two wow. players are up against. So, like, you, I don't know. You talk all day about like the setups and whatever it is. But I could, I could never experience that in the current whatever the system is now. Well, exactly. Uh, but let's just touch on that then, Joe. So that's your first appearance. You're up against Decanio and Travis yeah. Sinclair. Yeah. How are you? How are you not just sort of stood there watching them and not being doing your own doing your own job? Well, I think I think you probably come to all this. When we start speaking about the football, but obviously my mindset at the time as a young kid, I was so sort of driven and determined and whatever else. It was I didn't let myself have those feelings, I suppose. But yeah, I was completely like starstruck and then all. And Decani always had that chop. He'd always fake to like cross it or chop it. And yeah, it was fantastic. And how did you play? Well, I thought I did relatively well. Yeah, I love it. I mean, you're up against those two players. How can you not? Well, you could have a stinker, I guess. But um, <laughs> no, I just thoroughly enjoyed the day. Amazing. Whilst we're on the subject, Danny, um, memories for you of your first appearance? Was it Decanio and Trevor Sinclair or did you go higher? <laughs> I can't. I generally can't remember my first reserve team game, to be totally honest with you. Um, probably overshadowed by the fact that on my first league debut, full league debut away at Bournemouth, I got dragged after 52 minutes and we're 4-0 down. So as you can imagine, I thought my career is done before it's got going. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll, we'll it was when to... Defoe and Fletcher were up top, and Defoe went on some crazy run. Bozzy played, Bozzy was out there. I don't think I ever lost against Bournemouth. I was looking for the clippings earlier. I didn't think I ever lost against Bournemouth. Um, yeah, I, I, I obviously forgot that day. Yeah, yeah. Best uh, way. Yeah, I no, didn't. <laughs> we won't we won't dwell on that but um you just referred to joe there as bozzy and now a lot of people won't know the the reason behind that do you want to just tell tell the listeners why why you're saying oh, we bozzy? just we used to think that you used to look like joey boswell out of bread where a lot of the youngsters wouldn't wouldn't um wouldn't know about it but obviously the older ones would yeah yeah and it's just it's generally just stuck yeah, exactly. Because you know, obviously, knowing Joe since since uh, sort of at the age of four or five, and and having the same sort of group of friends, 
none of us have ever referred to him as Bozzy. So it's like in different circles. He's probably got other names in other circles, but we won't probably go into those. Um, yeah, they're best left unsaid, I think. Before we park the, the YT um, side of things, um, any other stories? Any uh, who, was, who were sort of players that you looked up to in the City team at that point, Joe? Um, so at the time, you had Rob Edwards in midfield, you had Gary Hours, you had Tins, you had Belly. I mean, that was a year. So my first year YT, I mean, you used to love it. What, like watching them, you're at the ground, you're in the change rooms, you're in and around it. It was amazing. So they got promoted that year. So that's when obviously Belly scored all the free kicks. Um, Scotty, Scotty played a bit then. Um, trying to remember the others. Obviously, Crammy played a, a, a quite a bit. Um, and obviously, the following years when they were in the championship, which was like less successful, really, it was a bit of a tough year for them. You know, didn't, didn't do so well, really. But never, you know, it was still great. And we were talking, we were talking again, uh, again the other night about players' positions and how they may change as you're sort of have you start out and then as you break into the first team and you're asked to basically play all over the place. You're, you were quite a utility player, but what was your sort of position um, from the YTs and did that adapt? Um, yeah, it did. I was always sort of defensive, really. I was like, a, I, I assume, like a right back, right of a three. I guess I always struggled because I wasn't like really tall enough for, to be a centre-half, but I sort of made best as I could and then adopted a centre-midfield role. I, I, Pretty much played everywhere, I think, even even in the first team to a degree. And, and right right backs in in this day and age are asked to get up and back a lot more, right? You know, in as almost a wing back role. Did you ever sort of play in that position? Um, I think by the time uh, I played a little bit of right back initially, and then it was more sort of right of a three, centre of a three, and then I basically when I moved into centre midfield, that was more sort of my favoured role then. Mm. Probably suited me more, obviously more defensive midfielder, sort of box to box, I guess. And same question to you, Mr. Coles. Were you always a centre back? Did you or did you start up front and then make your way back? <laughs> I started up front and they, once I signed with City, which was when I was at nine, but then this, they they got me back to defender within literally about six months, I think. Um so I remember kicking minutes, off about so. it a little. Yeah, I remember kicking off about it a little bit, saying like, well, I've gone from my local team scoring 30, 40 goals a season to an eight, but they clearly saw something in, in me and to be fair, once I become a YT, I couldn't hit a barn door, mate. So it's probably a good job that they put me uh, put me back. But I did. To be fair, I had a few shifts where I had to play wing back as well because I didn't I didn't get as tall as what I am now for you know for for a while. To be fair, um, so I remember I remember playing the wing back, and that is a, a graveyard shift. Yeah, that was not that was not nice, especially in the heat. Mm. Um, but it was more it could do a job at right back. Really, that was a that was about it. Now and again, I think I had one season where I played. I ended up playing about 30 odd games actually at right back, I think, one year. Okay, so we've mentioned your uh football league debut for Bristol City. Joe, um we've spoken about your your first game in the YTs and the reserves. Where where did you make your debut? Well, interestingly enough, it was the same as Dan. So it was Dan, it was against Bournemouth, and I assume it was probably a year before Dan. Yeah. Yeah. But we we uh luckily won on my debut. So that was when uh Pulis had just got sacked. Well, no, sorry, he didn't get sacked. He, uh, Pulis left. Pulis, Portsmouth. Yeah, went to Portsmouth. Yeah, it's a good story there. I, I was frustrated because I thought I deserved a chance, effectively. So I pulled him. He was, as a young kid, he was quite, I guess, difficult to approach or felt that way anyway. But I managed to uh, get the bottle to do it. So in the corridor at the ground, I said, oh, could I have a chat with you tomorrow, please? I'd like, and he went, yeah, yeah, no worries. He said, yeah, come and see me in the morning. And he started almost laughing or smiling. 
woke up the next day, read the papers and he'd left. <laughs> I remember you telling me that actually. But then, yeah, but anyway, he left and then Forfrock, Forfrock took over with Burnside and Leroy Senior. And uh, yeah, I think it was in the next game, he just they just threw me in. And again, I've told you this before perhaps, but I remember Keith Millen just like literally before kickoff, shake me and said, what's your name, mate? Who are you? What's your name? <laughs> so so Burnside and Forthrop, they were involved with you at the YTs, weren't they? And did that help you guys in terms of integrating into the team? Yeah, 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 it did, yeah. It, just, it, it all just felt very comfortable in terms of, I don't know, as we came through, and I'm sure it'd be the same for Danny, that he knew all of us, I knew the other lads, Tommy Dock above me. Lewis had come through. You then had the involvement from the academy staff who were then involved in the first team. And again, going back to these clippers, you asked me to do some prep for tonight. So I was digging out all these things. I'm looking through these um, team sheets from the evening post, like clippers. And there's like, out of what subs you had at the time, would maybe it have been three subs maybe back then? I forget. Um, yeah, it looks like yeah, three, yeah, three. Sorry, yeah. But uh, so so a squad of sixteen named sixteen players. There's like eleven of those who come through Bristolians, pretty much, or certainly not necessarily Bristolians, but they come through. So, I mean, go back to the thing. How was it? It was it was amazing. It was amazing to go and play with your mate, the club you supported. Doesn't get any better. I think the transition from going to be uh, a young lad going into the first team was was a lot easier then because. Especially at Bristol at the time, because we because we were cleaning the players' boots, we automatically had a a relationship with the players, and we we were we were down in the stadium every day with them. We were up at the training ground, and if the manager needed needed an extra body, one of the boys from from the team would go over. So naturally, there's and then they would come and watch us train after if they'd finished. Um, so I think there was a, a the transition going over was actually made a lot easier that way because. As you're going over, they sort of it, it can be daunting, but you you got a relationship with them already, and they come over and they you know they want you to do well. They understand that you listen. You get the odd one that just sort of adds you off a little bit, but that's part and parcel of the as the character building side of it. Um, but that was that was the thing which I thought was it was massive for us back then. And you talk about character building there. Was there um, an, any sort of initiation that you took part in, and your when you had your first sort of league game, your first game in the first team? Were you asked to do anything that you can that you can share with us? No, the, the only initiation I can remember was on my first Christmas do. So, but we'll leave that one. We'll leave that <laughs> one to uh, for another day when there's not microphones about patch. Okay, excellent. <laughs> Joe, can you tell us about yours? Um, no, well, I, I didn't have time for it because they just took over. Pulis had obviously left and they, they took over. They We got to the hotel, um, yeah, before, and he did the, yeah, put the team sheet up on the clipboard or whatever else it is, and my name was up there, and that was that, really. So, yeah, I think the initiation was Keith Miller shaking my hand asking me what my name is two minutes before kickoff. That was, that, that was my initiation. It's your bit of confidence, doesn't it? That is brilliant. Um, so let's talk about some of your some of your memories. And Joe, you, you've uh, we've got some paper clippings here with, with you. And one one of them you got three out of ten, and the next one you're star man. So uh, quite a wide range of performances. It's funny. I, I look back on a lot of this, and the boys talk or whatever else. And I'll, I'll be deadly honest and say that a lot a lot of I find it very difficult to remember games. And I think I was in so much of a zone and concentrating, and, and probably exhausted. I suppose that it's very difficult to remember a lot of it. 
looking through these clippings, whether my dad kept the clippings where I played well, I'm not sure. But I was quite, I was quite surprised. A few star man, but there's definitely a few threes in there as well. Yeah, me and Colsey yeah. both got a three on one. I think was it Blackpool? Was it Blackpool I sent you? Yeah, Blackpool. It was about uh, five when we lost. Star man was Lee Peacock with five at that point. <laughs> Let's. Uh, so, so you were Starman, um, Bournemouth one, City three. Uh, let's do a quick run through the team. Steve Phillips, Lewis Carey, Mark, Mark Lever. Lever. I don't, I don't yeah. remember that name. Yeah, it's Grimsby. He signed him. What a bloke. Okay. What a bloke. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 he couldn't have been around very long. I can't really re- remember him. I just can't believe he was an athlete when he looked at his body, Leaves. He really oh, he was horrendous. <laughs> Horrific. <laughs> Yeah. He got he's, six out of ten, so yeah, he lovely lad. I remember, I remember when we played um, one of my first, one of my one of my early games was away at Bury, and um, I remember coming on the coach after, and Leaves is already sat on the coach, and he was on the bench, and as I walked on, he went, "Cheers, son, you've just got me a move." Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's like, he was surplus to requirements at the club, then. that's how he's seen it. Uh, obviously, I mentioned Lewis. Obviously, record club appearance holder. How 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 good was it having Lewis alongside you, Danny, at centre back? Oh, it was huge. It was it was massive. And do, do you know what? Another one in the early stages. Not only Lewis, but was uh, was Andrew Jordan. To be fair, um, only there was only there was only a few games, but I remember um, there was like Jock was Jock was one to sort of lean on a little bit as well. So. Um, I'll certainly give him a, a a good shout out. But Lewis, yeah, Lewis was Lewis for the for the years that I was there was was just incredible. Just a, just an incredible lad, a leader, um, very very knowledgeable, and you could ask him anything, and he was you know he he, he the thing with Lewis he he cared about you as a person. Do you know what I mean? So um, he was he was invaluable to not only just to the defenders, but to, to the team in general, really. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I do hear that a lot about Lewis. And uh, obviously, he has Mr. Bristol City uh, in terms of appearances and an absolute uh, club legend. Uh, and no, you can't say much more about the same for Scott Murray, who is who is still Mr. Bristol City. And, and he is effectively a club ambassador now as well. But uh, having Scott Murray alongside you, Joe, uh, the pace that he offers and the, the threat that he offers, obviously, you know, a bit different playing five a side with him as we, as we do now, or as we did in uh, pre COVID times, but uh yeah, it's it, how how important was it to have to have him in in the side? I think just going back to the thing you said about Danny and Lewis and all the players you were about to read out is they were all our mates as well. So we'd all come through sort of together. Albeit Scotty was signed as a youngish lad from Villa, but Lewis has gone out through the ranks. Obviously more experienced than us, a bit older. But for me, what stands out for me, obviously go back to the Scott Murray point. Yeah, brilliant. You know, put the ball through to him before the end of it, but. You know, to all come through together as mates, all have a passion for the club, and I'd call you he'd make his own comments, but I never had that. And we moved on whenever I went to another places. There were there was no one within that squad we had, which I didn't like. You know, I, I favoured all of them. You know, say like you know, Tins was uh, a club legend probably at the time. Um, we like we liked ever. He would socialise with us a bit older and whatever else, but he still got on with us. Uh, and I liked everyone. I, I couldn't say that about any other club I went to. But, 
Well, and, and you're you're a Bristol City fan, and we Absolutely. used to we used to get in together as kids, and you were we would watch Brian Tinian and players like yeah. that. So, yeah. how strange was that for you going in and, and playing alongside players that you'd watched and, and were fans of? Well, it, it, it strange isn't the right word because it was just it was like a dream come true, isn't it? You're bang there, you're doing what you want to do. It's like a passion. It's what you love. It was yeah, strange not the right word. I, I'd already set myself up to do that and and was determined to do it so it was just and it was really familiar and I think having all those players and that list of players you're going to read out we were all such a and we all still speak now and you just don't you just don't get that um you don't get that camaraderie really or it's very difficult to come by so I just feel fortunate really strange and right word I'd say fortunate yeah yeah fair play um Matthew Hill again someone who is consistent performer uh, and consistently in the team as well Danny your your your, your memories of Matty Hill Matty what a lad I hadn't, said, I hadn't even spoke to Matty to be fair for for a while but um no Matty was obviously same age as Joe as well so coming through it was uh it was good seeing these boys sort of getting the opportunity so when when naturally like Joe said when I was gonna hopefully get that opportunity it was like it, it was made a lot easier going in playing with your mates and Matty was Matty, Matty again was was different class to be fair. We used to we used to like batter him saying he used to wear his like he used to have a mate sat in a dolman stand, you know what I mean? They used to keep passing the ball to him. And uh but one thing you could one thing you could you could say about Matty was that he was listen, he was always hundred percent defensively. He was he was a he was a machine when he I don't think many people beat him one v one. He had an unbelievable spring for 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 a lad that wasn't the tallest playing centre half at times as well, so no, I thought Matty was Matty was a, an ultimate pro, and I think he, you know, the the clubs that he went on to play for in his career sort of shows what what sort of character he was as well. Mm. And then next on the list, Steve Robinson. Again, I, I can't remember too much about him. Joe, can you uh, enlighten me? He was uh Irish lad. I think he was an Irish international. I'm not sure if that was Northern or Republic, but he, uh, he was Northern. on loan from Luton, I think. Yeah, he's on, okay. he's on Luton. I think he managed Luton recently, didn't he? I think he took over for a little short spell. I'm sure he did, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Well, apparently on that day, he gave, he gave you a, an attacking edge and had a hand in the first two goals. So he must have played well in that game. Robbo has been uh, he he's been up in Scotland managing, hasn't he? So he was I think he's been manager of Motherwell for the last three or four years. Oh, okay. Uh someone called Tommy Doherty. Um <laughs> <laughs> we we could really do with a Tommy Doherty in the team at the moment. Uh, a bit of, a bit of grit and a bit of uh, a bit of aggression. Um uh, biting the tackle, a passer, someone who can burst forward. Joe, I'd add some some comments to that. He's uh, he was technically probably one of the best players I played with as a gifted footballer. He is probably certainly out there with one of the best. He, he, he by his own admission, he'd say he'd be probably limited um, physically wise, like pace wise. But when he had a broken leg. He beat me in two touch with a broken leg. Literally, <laughs> he was up, he was unbelievable. He was an international. He played for Northern Ireland. You don't see him running around it, man, at Old Trafford, running around Old Trafford, just trying to snap people for like the first 45 minutes and he blew a gasket, I mean. Jason really, really rang it. I do, I do remember it. I remember going on holiday oh, wow. for summer and seeing him in, in the uh, in the airport and he was going international duty. I was off on holiday with, with the lads and he was broken because obviously I was off to go on holiday and he had to go and play football. 
Okay, uh, we've mentioned we've mentioned Tins um, already a number of times. Uh, another consistent performer, Mickey Bell. Uh, we've spoken about him and and the fact that when we got a free kick, we were generally excited. It was almost a chance of a goal when we got a free kick. Same with same with Tins to some extent, but but Mickey Bell was the left back for for so many years uh, and Mr. Consistent and you knew what you're getting Danny. Um yeah no he was he, he was a top player Bally mate and he's um he he was a valuable asset to the football club. Where did he go after Bristol? Was it Port Mel? But we could we could we'll come on to this in a in a minute but we can we, we can tell that 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 Danny is uh, someone who's played for City and Rovers because he's just saying Bristol. And that's gonna that's gonna work. Yeah, no. yeah, no, don't stop yeah. that. We'll, we'll come on to that. Um, right, Peacock and Matthews were up front that day. Uh, they sort of go hand in hand. And when I'm when I'm planning future guests for this podcast, obviously Peacock and Matthews will be will be on the list as well as probably Bell and Tinian, two sort of you know almost like double acts. But Peacock and Matthews, talk to me about them, Joe, and and what they offered you as strikers. I think for me, they were the best performers on a Saturday night in Bristol for about three or four years. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think there was probably, yeah, they weren't blowing eight out of ten on a night out in, yeah, three or four years. No, but they, they, they were good. They, they, well, again, and I think they both fitted into the squad at the time because, again, they were both signed, but probably mid 20s, I suppose. Great lads, lovely lads, fitted in, really close friends. Obviously, I'm really close with like Lee, Lee Matthews now. Peacock probably hear from him once or twice a year by text message. But yeah, both great lads. Both both good footballers, really. Peacock was a good player, very strong, athletic. And, and on, Lee was on this a, day, a goal Yeah, on, on this day, they kept Tony Thorpe on the bench, yeah. um, who is your fox in the box goal scorer. Yeah. Well, Thorpe, Thorpe he was a, a, a class player as well, really. But I mean, we did. <laughs> It's, it's frustrating looking back and seeing what you had up front, really, at, at that time. That we should we again, there's loads of regrets there, but we should have we should have done a lot better than what we did. But I mean, Matthews was a goal scorer. I didn't really get a fair. I think injuries didn't help him, but never got a fair crack. Peacock played a lot, and four P, yeah, played played the majority of the time. I, I would say. Okay, um, so we've spoken about some of the players there, and I'm sure there are plenty more. We can't go through them all, but let's talk about some memorable games for you now, for both of you. Um, Joe, pick one out for you. Obviously, the trip up to Old Wembley, where you unfortunately didn't get on the pitch. Uh, we we had a coach load of fifty people coming up to watch you. Obviously, I would have gone anyway, but there was about forty eight people there who were waiting to see you on the on the pitch. And then the news came through. I think you phoned your mum or, or, yeah. or whoever and said that you're on the bench. And um, yeah, I think most of them wanted to turn around and go home. To be fair, but how, how was that that Old Wembley experience? Yeah, it's obviously disappointing. It's a good good. A life lesson for football very early on because obviously scored in the semi which you forgot to mention perhaps I think well I was going to come back to that, but, uh, anyway go yeah. on um, yeah so we played every every round every game and scored in the semi whatever else and it comes to the Wembley and all these all the older pros at the time all get fit for the game which I guess is understandable yeah and I was basically forced out and at one point I don't think it was even going to be on the bench but I think I turned around to fourth flop and uh, 
said you've got a coach only people shared, like you, yeah clearly clearly taking the mick here on you like and uh, and I think me sticking up for myself managed to get me on the bench but it's, it's still not the same is it if you don't get on the pitch no, no yeah. being there really but it, it, all I can say it was a good good life lesson I suppose but no. that was that was the reason we lost as well because obviously you were involved but yeah um yeah let's touch on on your one of three goals for Bristol City maybe three or four but that 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 goal for the for City against Exeter in the semi-final where you rose majestically and headed in yeah. uh, scoring for your your football team can you explain that in any words yeah, it, was, it was amazing that yeah just playing every game really crossing that rock, white line the I think that was a night game from the yeah it was definitely yeah, it a night was, game yeah. yeah it was a night game they were always like special down there yeah scoring a goal and I just I loved it Ch- cherished all of it and uh, yeah scoring that scoring that goal I think, I don't know, I got given a bottle of champagne by the uh, chairman's dad it was after. I think I kept that bottle of champagne for like years. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was, but yeah, back to you about scoring goals. I didn't think I was in the side to score goals match, was I? So. Well, certainly not. But uh, that's, that's certainly changed in this in this modern era on five side. But we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that. Um, Colsey, for you, pick out pick out a game. I've got written down Mansfield uh, for for you and the the the, the four the five four win away. Uh, tell us about that game, and uh, obviously Joe was playing in that one, but that's going to one's going to stick in your mind, isn't it? Yeah, because once Danny took me off, we won. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, you need to do your own work, packs. That's not, that's memorable for me, but I swear I think we were. I can't remember what a score was, mate, but we were. You have to look at when the goals went in when I actually got taken off. But I swear to God, I had a beast of a day that day. I think I'd give away the pen as well. Shock, right? Um, and then, um, yeah, I think he took he might have took me off, mate, at about 3 1, maybe something like that. Okay, but yeah, uh, obviously, I'm sh- yeah, so that's an interesting one. Interesting one. So, you got took you got taken off at 3 1 down. The 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 game ends 5 4 in sort of circumstances where it was quite unbelievable. You are annoyed with yourself if you've had a bad game and you've been taken off. You still got to be happy for the team. Oh, mate, I was buzzing. If you see the, if you see the celebrations of when Robbo scores, and you you and he runs up the side of the pitch, you see me come like you see me celebrating with with everyone. Do you know what I mean? So is, I'm just going to try and look now actually to see at what point I actually went off. I remember, um, yeah, Christian Roberts, Christian Roberts sliding, sliding down the touchline. Yeah, that's right. What year was what year was the game patch? Oh two, twenty third of November. Yeah, I've got it. Yeah, so I went, I went off it. Yeah, there you go. I went off on eighty one minutes, and then we scored on eighty seven, and then ninety, and then ninety, whatever that is. You could argue. It looks like you came off. For Leroy Lita, so you're going for the game. You're going to throw on an attacker, and you were just a sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't make me feel any better, to be fair, mate, because <laughs> I'd actually had one anyway. But, but no, it was an unbelievable. It was an unbelievable game to be involved in. To be fair, I suppose. The... Go on, I, I'll let you pick a game then. What's one of your memorable games? A playoff final, or um, or, or a, a particular win? The Hartlepool game, the Hartlepool game at Ashton Gate. Yeah, the Hartlepool game at Ashton Gate was... Or did you um, get pulled off on that one as well? No, no, no. I was on to the end with that one. Definitely, I was on the end to that one. Um, the That was an unbelievable game, to be fair. Being at 
the score it was and then we went on to win that sort of with a few minutes remaining was just insane really and the, the elation at the, at the final whistle was just wow um, yeah it was it was crazy but obviously you know the the game after that sort of was memorable but for, for again for the wrong reason do you know what I mean I think the most memorable one that I had which was was over uh, the millennium was the one when we beat Carlisle in the cup and we won and I got man in a match in front of 60 off thousand. do you know what I mean that was probably the one because the other experience of going back to the millennium was was a uh, a not not very enjoyable one so going to the millennium stadium <clears throat> obviously you've got to a, a final and as a child growing up you think that's going to be at wembley did you how did you feel about that and did you get to wembley in the end no no i only ever played at the millennium okay so yeah, sort of. Obviously, the Millennium Stadium is an amazing stadium, um, but you know, it's just one of it's one of those where it was it was it was a good few years that I think that that was in place, but yeah. it was just weird weird for everybody. I think um, that back to that Hartlepool game. Obviously, being a fan that's been going down for like the last thirty four years ish, that night it, I actually felt the whole ground shake as a fan in the in the stand. And I've only felt that once or twice at Ashton Gate. Just the buzz and the adrenaline of the crowd that you boys must have got from that. And at the moment, I'm not don't want to talk about the current situation at, at City and the current team. But at the moment, <coughs> no fans. There's no bounce. There's no there's no support that they can see and hear. How how big is that for for you guys as as footballers at the time? Obviously, there's there's a mixture of people getting on your back. There's a mixture of, of geeing you up and reacting. But how 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 do you think you would have coped, Danny, in terms of playing without fans? It's it's quite it's quite bizarre actually, and it it actually's got a reserve team feel about it. Um, I think credit to the players at the minute they they seem to be like somehow getting themselves you know up for it the best they can. But it's just it just doesn't it it doesn't feel like football. Like I said, it, it feels like a, a reserve team game, and you know I think it, it, it's certainly going for for certain clubs and certain players as well over the over the divisions. It's mm. just quite, yeah, it's, it's very strange. I would have, I would have coped with it. I, I don't know. I think it's hard to say. Really, it's you know you sort of. I used to love obviously hearing the fans, and like you say, you, when when they start singing, you get you know even when you're out on a pitch, they give you that they give you that extra drive, that extra push to you know fire into a tackle, or you know when you play a good ball and they start, start clapping it, it's you know they they are your twelfth man, and um, it's hard to say how I cope, but it's it, it would it would certainly be um, it would certainly be difficult. Mm. Yeah, Joe, for you, obviously. We've you said at the very start that you you're able to sort of switch off and just focus on the game, but you must hear that you must have heard the crowd. Um, yeah, I was going to say you like because you must remember when you used to when we played down there, you would feel the crowd with you. You knew when they're behind you straight away. As much as we'd get a lift, the opposition would also be affected as well. And you know we'd be in the ascendancy. We know that we'd and and it would just it would just change whether that was. Whatever moment happened, if it was like a tackle, you won the tackle, had a good shot, and whatever you excited the crowd and they got behind you, 
Um, it was amazing when they did. And I said before, and I said again, like the night games particularly were, were definitely, I always remember a lot of those. They were special. I remember beating Bristol Rivers 3 0 in a game. Yeah. And crowd right behind us that day. And yeah, some, it literally at times, and we, I, I think at the times Danny was there as well, in reflection, like we've done today before this podcast, I don't think we lost meant too many games, really. A lot, a lot of my memories are definitely. So we definitely won a lot more than we lost at the time. We just failed to uh, get over the finish line, I guess. Let's talk a little bit about managers. Um, Danny Wilson was your manager for the majority of the time you guys were there. Uh, how was he as a manager? And obviously a player growing up that we would watch in the Premier League with Sheffield Wednesday. Um, but other than that, I don't know. Obviously, I, I was there watching you guys. But in terms of Danny Wilson, the man, how, how did you find him? So, yeah, I'd obviously a year old and cosy, so I'd been exposed to a couple of managers. So we had John Ward and Terry Terry Connor was his assistant. He was a good guy, really good guy. Obviously, he got a promotion, uh, struggled in the champ and obviously moved on. And then there was uh, oh, Benny Lenartson came in. Oh, after. Bryce, I forgot you were there with Benny. Yeah, yeah, so he came <laughs> in and he was... He was, it's funny, like, he, he, obviously you're laughing there, but he was, like, ahead of his time. He'd fit in well now, but a lot of his, and he just wasn't accepted. And, again, this might be for another podcast, but the culture in football's changed. Like, I remember when I first broke through, and, again, a year old and cosy, lads were going down to pub on a Wednesday and stuff like that. And, you know, like, all day drinking on a Wednesday. And ben, Benny, at the time, was, uh, yeah, was not not for that. He was, he, he was forward-thinking, but... But yeah, it didn't work out for him for, for a lot of reasons. But I think he was genuinely ahead of his time. Anyway, so he he left. Pulis came in. Obviously, he spoke about Pulis. Pulis just brought all the experienced players in. I don't think any any young lad had a chance at the time. You know, he wasn't there for that long. Anyway, so Danny Wilson comes through the door. And uh, yeah, I think he was in, inspiring, really, for me. And, well, not just for me, the whole team. He's, he was, in, in hindsight, I think he's a clever guy. I think he, he was clever. I think he understood players. Um he understood management. I think he got the most out of people um, and all, all but got promoted. Had probably a relatively successful few years there. Uh, just a shame he didn't didn't secure a promotion. And did he bring, you say he obviously gave you guys more of a chance, but did he generally bring a lot of the youth through, Joe? Yeah, well, well, he did. He, he, he played them. They were sort of coming through at the time. So obviously the, the academy and whatever else should take credit for that. But he, he never, never shirked you know, firing them in and going back to that, you know, majority of the squads there were all you know, homegrown or people who've come through the academy. Um, I think he was just, he was just seemed to be a fair, he was just a fair guy, I think. If you were, if you were up to it and you were good enough, he, you'd have no problems putting you in. Okay. Um, let's touch on the, uh, the, the player culture and nightlife as much as we can talk about. Um, but I can obviously remember you guys rushing back to Bristol or if you're in Bristol, it was, you, it was all the same places that, that, that you would go. Um, how, how great was that to be going out on the town with, with your mates, Joe, from football and from outside of football and just getting together after, a, after a, an exhilarating game? How, how, how great were those days? Obviously at the moment we can't, we can't do anything, but yeah. so it's easy to look back and think how amazing they were, but they were amazing, weren't they? Yeah, it's fantastic. Especially if you obviously win, you, if you win, your night's going to be a lot better than if you lost. 
but yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, again, looking back, I mean, there was for a young lad then. There's quite a amount of pressure there. You know, you're in a pressure position now. I've had fans on my back. You know, whatever we've had before. I'm sure Colsey's have been shouted at by certain fans. Whatever else we've been out and people shout at you. So there's another element to it as well. But we definitely worked very hard in a week. And I guess on a Saturday night, you'd go and play hard as well. We had some great nights, as you can testify, because we'd go out in Bristol with. And again, all, majority of the players socialise together as well. And, and again, you won't find that nowadays, really. You don't, you don't see that. And I think that was reflective in the performances and the, and the tightness of the squad at the time. Danny, you didn't really like a drink, did you, about them? Uh, I was staying home most of the most of the weekends, mate. Show your own feet up. He was, he was home at weekends, but he went out every night in the week. Hopefully, <laughs> uh, the nights and got hold of him. Yeah, yeah. No, to be fair, you. I just wanted to ask Danny whether he thought, in hindsight, it was a good idea to move in with Lee Matthews and Lee Peacock and live in their house together. No, it was possibly one of the worst ideas I've ever thought of in my life. To be totally honest with you, and it was short-lived, thanks to Danny Wilson. In fact, Uh, there you go. Because I got I got myself in a little bit of bother on a on a night out in. I got called into Danny's office. Somebody had written an email. At that point, I didn't even know what an email was, I don't think, um, into the <laughs> club, basically complaining about me. Um, and Danny swiftly fined me a week's wages, moved me out of the house. And it was the best thing that happened to me, to be fair. so That's, that's good management, right? Yeah. It's good management. Yeah, yeah. He was, he, he was, he was, he knew what I was, he knew what, I knew where the line was with him. And he, but he knew, and I remember him. I, I was telling somebody the other day, like there was a couple of things, a couple of times where I got myself in a bit of bother, and he just he would pull me in. I would go in and tell him what had happened, um, and he would he would deal with it, and he would he would reprimand me. Um, but the second I knew I was underperforming on the football pitch, I knew that he was going to be coming down on me like a ton of bricks. In I think for the time that Danny was there, to be fair, I probably played my best football. And I think, you know, it was, he, he probably, I had so much time and respect for him and I was in awe of him as a, as a manager because he was such a, it's such a top name as a footballer when, like you said earlier, when we were coming up there, he had that fear factor about him. And I, I always went out and I thought, if I don't, if I don't play well today, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be coming for me. Um, and, you know, he was, uh, he was, he was, he was incredible, mate. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it under him. Patch, Patch, what's um, what's is it, what's the right word? Is it an aura? You know, a, a person's got like an aura about it. I'm not sure if yeah. that's the right word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my in my opinion, he had that. He had. You go into the room, and again, he, like height wise, he's relatively small, I suppose, wasn't he? But he 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 had he had a presence. So that's probably the right word. He had a presence. You go in. And he, he I, I certainly always respect him. I don't think there's many people there, Danny, didn't, did they? He, he, he had everyone, he had everyone <coughs> working for him. And, and he was also a relatively clever chap as well. And I think that goes back to what I started this conversation with, as us growing up watching him playing football on the TV um, in the Premier League. And you're right, if Danny Wilson walked into a, into a, even into a pub where people who knew football, they would just sort of stop and, yeah. and, and have a look. 
Um, so yeah, no, it's 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 great, great stories, great times. And you mentioned uh, there about when on a night out and if you'd had a bad game and fans sort of bending your ear and stuff like that. Did that happen a lot? Did you did you used to listen to to that the forums the 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 radio on the way back from a game and fans phoning up and giving their giving their five penneth? How did that impact you as a player, Joe? Uh, well, firstly, I'd say I think we lived we 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 were in the in, in maybe not financially the best time to play, but certainly social media wise, it wasn't as as prolific as it is now. And I'm not sure how I would deal with that with current social media. Back then, you'd be on a night out and people would shout stuff at you, whether that's jealousy, whether it was true, whether whatever, but you'd get out on occasions. But again, we'd all be out together and we'd always look after one another. And again, that'd come back to team spirit. So it didn't uh, didn't affect me too bad. I think there was a little spell. I had a few fans on my back during during a few a few weeks of the season. Um, and I think Danny pulled me out there. And so I didn't play for a couple of games. And I felt a little bit nervous going back. And I think my return game was Plymouth. I think there was injuries or they'd lost or whatever. They threw me back in. But there's another game I just just did what I did. And I just worked as hard as I could. And again, I think I got the uh, paper anyway, the star man or whatever. I remember Tins after the game saying, oh, well done, Joe. You did really well there today and the rest of it. But I was really, I was almost really nervous because, yeah, the fans were sort of on my back before then. And, uh, but yeah. I will just come to Colsey now. Colsey, obviously you you left Bristol City and went up to Hull, uh, which which is a, a hell of a way to go. Um, first first part of the question is, how was that in terms of moving so far away? And then the second part of the question is a, a later move back to Bristol with Bristol Rovers and the fan reaction to that. So go with the whole question first and then, and then the Rovers. So... Moving, moving up there, I had no issues with it whatsoever. It was for me, it was a step forward in uh, my career. I was going up to play for a championship club, um, a big club, um, under a manager called Peter Taylor. Who's, you know, I don't, I don't need to tell you about Peter Taylor, but I think when you sort of, when you sort of look at it from a football point of view, it was, it was a no-brainer for me to go out there. Um, I wanted to test myself at, at championship level. Um, I went out there, and it just, to be fair, it just didn't, it didn't, it didn't work out. It started the first eight games, nine games started absolutely. I was doing really, really well. Actually, you know, to be honest, going back to something that you mentioned earlier, when it said about right back, I started the first game of the season at home against QPR, first ten as centre half, and then the first ten minutes, our right back gets his kneecap. Um, smash around the back of his knee so I then got to go and play right back and then I played the first eight games as right back until I'd done my cruciate um, yeah. and then that was that was it mate and truth be known with regards to, to be, I was out there for what two and a half years I'd done my cruciate I, had, I went to see a specialist um, the way the cruciate had ruptured um, he said look I think you can be back inside three to four months if you if we don't do the major operation. Um, so what do you want to do? Um, otherwise it's going to be nine to 12 months with regards to the, um, doing the, doing the op. And, uh, I said, look, I've just signed for the club. I want to, I want to get back and plays, plays, um, as quick as I can. So let's, let's go with the, with the bet, you know, the shorter term. And I was back training, um, and doing really well. And then I went in on a Saturday morning. We were just about to play at in-house game. 
mainly to the benefit of myself, I think, with regards to and maybe a couple of other injured players. Um, and we were doing some small boxes, literally, as a warm-up. And all of a sudden, my my legs gone out. In I don't know, remember, remember how Michael Owen done his for England? And it was yep. it was similar shape. Now, I, I'd been back training for probably about three or four weeks. Now, I didn't know whether it was a case of the leg and the knee wasn't strong enough or whether it would have happened anyway. Um, mm. But I'd done so much with regards to in the training that um, I didn't think it was going to be an issue. But then off the back of that, that was the early December time, I think it was. I then had to wait to, because when I'd done that, I'd done my medial as well. I then had to wait for medial to heal. Then I had to go in and have the reconstruction. Um, so from the time that I'd done my cruciate in September, I didn't play another compa- uh, a reserve team game. My first reserve team game was actually the following September. So effectively, I'd played 12, I'd missed 12 months of football through rehabilitation. And I don't think I, I didn't get, I never got the pace back there. I'd had a lot of things that I, you know, I was always, when I was at City, I was always based, you know, <laughs> one of my main main attributes was my pace, yeah. And um, I don't think I ever got back to it. In, is it is you, still a, managed to, you still managed to play professional football for another eight years, um, which you know, obviously is no mean feat, but you, you, you sort of left Hull via Hartlepool and then and then went to Rovers on loan and eventually signed for Rovers and you were there for, for a good three three years. Yeah. Going back to the second part of the question, how how did how did that fan interaction take place and or did it happen? Because not many players go from City to Rovers or Rovers to City. Um, obviously, most recently, Matty Taylor. But yeah. how, how was that for you and Steve, Steve Phillips? Um, I think for me, I didn't because I didn't cross the divide straight away from one to the other direct. I was away for sort of two and a half years. I've, it, I think it seemed a little bit, it seemed a bit easier from the, from the supporters. Front. i got to be honest, I've, I've not really had any sort of issues with, with either side of the supporters, to be honest with you. Um, Listen, I left Bristol Rovers under Clyde because we had just got relegated. So naturally, supporters were angry, and mm. they, you know, all of a sudden they'll, you know, start calling me names, and you know, perfectly, perfectly right, and the right to do that is I've been used to it. Um, but I listen. The bottom line is, people say to me like, "Why did you do it?" So well, listen, you got to go where the work is. I've been away for two and a half years. I didn't like it. I took a hell of a pay cut, by the way, to go back to Bristol Rovers. That's one thing that people don't actually realise, and I could have I could have stayed at Hull if I wanted, and just picked up my money. But I was at that point that Danny had taken me when I was at Hull. I'd fallen out with Phil Brain after the first game of the season. Um, I was training with the kids. I was in, getting in on a Sunday, training with the under 18s and stuff. And it was getting to that point where it was going to take a lot to break me. But I got to be fair. It, I went. I genuinely went too far away from like properly losing it. And I'm going to give Phil Brain as much as he give me to be fair but um i then had the opportunity because we used to, when we were at city we had a psychologist called brian jones and we we kept in t- i kept in touch with him when i left and um danny was obviously at hartleyport at the time and that was the reason why i went up to to play with him and he wanted to you know he wanted to get me back playing basically um and give me an opportunity i went out there and i, I played for him for a month 
actually played against Rovers on a Friday night. The, I think mainly how the thing with Rovers actually come about is Lenny Lawrence was obviously at Rovers at the time and Lenny had tried to sign me when he was at Cardiff. So um, it was, a, you know, Lenny knew exactly what he was going to be getting and when I had the opportunity to to go, to, to come home, I, I, I generally couldn't turn that. I just wanted to get back, get playing and start enjoying football again. And to be fair, was like... That, was that a big part of it as well? Coming home, coming back to Bristol? We spoke about the, the culture that you had at City with you all being so close. That must have been a big draw for you. Yeah, definitely. Like I, like I said, I was in, I, I was at, I was 250 miles away from door to door. And it's not like you can quickly pop around your mates for a couple of hours and have a bit of banter or anything. It's like you didn't have FaceTime or anything like that. There you sort of, you're out there, you, you're, you're out the way. You've, you've not forgotten, but it's obviously used to speak on the phone all the time. But mm. it was, it, yeah, it, it, it went nice, especially when you're not, you, you, you want to be working Monday to Friday with a view to playing on a Saturday. And that was never an opportunity at that point after I'd fallen out. So, um, for me, it was a case of me to get home, enjoy playing football again, and I knew that I knew the rewards would end up coming again. Yeah. Couple of things I'd just like to ask Dan: What if you were a manager today? You touched on Phil Brown. Um, Phil Brown, he, he made you train the kids. Probably didn't treat you too well, whatever else. Do you think as a manager you'd ever treat someone like that? No. I mean, you now, if you were a manager, no, I, I, I don't think I do. I think it's it, unless you're trying to work someone out of a football club. I think there's there's ways about. It. I think it shows the. And would, you, and would you do it? No, no, no. What would I make somebody yeah. go and train with the kids? No, it's easy for me to say no. I wouldn't do it, but you you just never know how, how things pan out. Do, do you know what I mean? I would I would do I would try and visit every sort of outcome before I had to say to a lad that you're going to have to go and do that because I've been on the end of it. I just, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it now. I, I would, I don't see if you, the, the way you've got the setups now, you go and train with the 23s, that's fine. Right. You know, this was, this was getting in with the under 18s. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think you've touched on it there, uh, Colsey. I think you said the word class and I think there's a lot of football lacks a lot of class. And I think I've seen it over the years with a lot of the, uh, Managers and management styles and bits and pieces like that, and it and it was tough for you if you were up there. You, I imagine you're 250 miles away as a footballer. You want to play football. Tough times, destined for great things. You have a really bad injury. It's not going to make your life any easier, is it? No, like no, no, not at all. But it was, it was, it was all right in the end. Got back and got playing. So yeah, cool. All right, let's let's touch a bit on on match days. Obviously, you you playing you two playing together for quite some time. Um, did you did you room together or was it were you with other people? Yeah, we 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 roomed together. <laughs> Come on, right? Let's have uh, let's have some <laughs> stories that we can share. Go for it, Joe. Come on. Any what have you got for us? <laughs> Okay, well, that's that's that then. That's was, that then. Pat uh, <coughs> Cozy kept me waiting every day when I used to pick him up in the morning. And to be fair, he does have a pop in me now. I used to make him come out of his way to come and get me <laughs> to go past his house to get back to training. <laughs> off the freeze up Mate, Yeah, when I look at it now, I think to myself, he literally had me on toast. How on earth did I do that? I used to literally, it used to take me another quarter of an hour to get from my flat to his farm and then go back to drive past 
back past my flat to then go to training. No, but we 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 did yeah we roomed together for a few years, mate, didn't we? And it was yeah. uh, it was it was hilarious, mate. To be fair, we had some we we had some laughs. Like, listen, he's he's as weird as they come, aren't they? Any Joe? So it's like as you can imagine, it was it was very entertaining. I don't think you need to go there, Danny. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Right. Oh, dear. Okay. Um, what was a match? What did a match day look like for you? Obviously, you'd often travel at the night before, room <laughs> together. And then you'd get up and have breakfast with with the rest of the team, presumably. Um, how 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 was your match day? Did you have any sort of things that you would do regularly or superstitions, Joe? Uh, I didn't know. I I would just do whatever I thought would give me the most edge. So if I could sleep as much as I could and eat the right foods, I did. I just did everything possible to. But I think you go to diet. A big part of it's diet, but that's very personal to each people. Cozy, do you remember Danny Wilson having a go, having a go at Woody and, and Clayton for eating the full English every time they had a away game? Do you remember that or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what would you add then? Just a light, a light well, breakfast, you, presumably, like scrambled eggs. eggs. Yeah, yeah. It was all on offer, and I guess they kind of assume that you know what's good for you, but it's it's probably a lot more scientific now. But uh, yeah, but yeah, we just like Cozy said, we just have sort of eggs or something a bit lighter, but they'd be literally in a full English every time. And uh, that was another thing, Danny Wilson. Yeah, clamp down on. I went, I went, I went to Wickham with Tony Adams, and that pre-match, we had a pre-match ritual in terms of eating. And I must say, it it, it worked. And how you felt, oh, okay. And the release of energy, and that was off the back of Arsene Wenger and his French dietitian or whatever else. But yeah, that was interesting. Fair dues, fair dues. You mentioned Joe that you would try and get as much sleep as you could. How how did you manage that with with rooming with Danny Cole? Well, he just talked me through some stories, like just boring stories, effectively, and I just I just <laughs> fall fall asleep nicely. Okay, worked out well then. Worked out yeah. well. Um, you left City in two thousand and four. Joe moved to Wickham. How did that move come about? Was it were were you out of favour, or did the did the move come someone come in for you, and and you decided to make a move to to try somewhere different? How did that come about? Well, we failed to go up, so we we we'd lost in the playoff final. I didn't play that game, so I was on the bench. Uh, and then obviously Danny Wilson left. Tins took over. I'd already had two year contract on the table, but basically I had a discussion with Tins. He called me up and just said I wasn't part of his plans. Effectively, or for, for the actual words he used were. You would you won't be starting every game, and I said, he said you would. What did he say? You wouldn't start every game, uh, and I said, well, I, I said I, I I don't assume I'll start every game now. I never have done since I came in. I'll fight for my place. Is that what I've always done? I train hard, work hard, and, and yeah. But it was obvious, really, with that sort of language, I'm going to be part of it. And uh, obviously, Tins had been sort of an older, experienced pro, and I think he'd done a bit of scouting and whatever else at the time. So. And I, and I personally didn't think it would work. You know, I didn't think it was uh, possibly the right appointment at the time as well. And, and obviously, hearing that from 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 the manager, I just thought I was to leave. Really, hindsight, don't know if I should have done or not. Tony Forfront called me up after and said, "Oh, Joe, I've, I've spoken to Tins. We've had a chat about it. I think I think you might be in a bit hasty here. You might, yeah, we we actually you're more than more than welcome to stay and fight your place." But I didn't move on. But hindsight, I'm not sure if it was a good thing or not. To be honest. You can't look back. You can't look back and think that. I think once once you sort of made your mind up that you're you're going to move, you sort of place yourself somewhere else, and you're almost halfway there. Um, Colsey, for you, obviously, you left 
the year after Joe. Uh, in fact, I, I thought you left the year before, but you left the year after. Was yeah. Obviously, you're, you were going up to the championship, so someone presumably came in for you, and you you heard about that, and you jumped. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. That I I'd had a bit of interest that summer from from a few clubs, and you know, I think it was a case then of just looking to sort of further my further my career. I was at a contract the following summer, um, so it, it it made sense for for Bristol to, you know, sort of cash in then. Mm. And I wanted to do it as soon as possible because you just, you, you just never know what's around the corner in football. Well, especially you with uh, what was around the corner in terms of your injury. Exactly. So, um, so, yeah. No, good right. Okay. Right, can I just, Go, Joe. I'll ask Colsey's opinion. Looking back at all those team sheets and stuff the Clippers looked at earlier and all those players, obviously they left pretty quickly. I left, you left the following year, Tommy Dox left the following year, Matty Hill left the following year, I believe. Um, do you think if there was a chance we could have stayed together or certainly kept a few of those boys together, they would have been in a better position than what they were? Yeah, you you just, you never know, do you? It's, it's, yeah, you, you'd like to think so, another year together, maybe another year stronger with a few additions, a few more additions added to the to the squad. Who, who knows, yeah, but I suppose everybody wanted to go for their for their reasons, didn't they? But I, I, I firmly believe, and I've been in that position myself, as a Bristolian coming through, and you do see it really with Tins and Scotty, because they're saying they've got an affiliation with the club for being there for so long. You definitely get a bit more out of that player, I think. I see like Carl Skews, Joe Bryan, all those types coming through. I think you definitely get a bit more. And I just wonder, that year where we had 12 out of the 16 squad, if they had kept a few of those together, be it rejected moves for you, and I know Cardiff were in few and whatever else, but uh, maybe the club financially was a different place. But yeah, if they had kept that core, I wonder the next following seasons, rather than falling down the leagues like they did, or the leagues, I say, they would have been in a better position. But yeah, I think it. I think it's football's changed so much in the last 10, 15 years. Um, you know, growing up, my dad would always be so much more proud of the team when he had, you know, people from Bristol in the team. Um, and it was it was that in the era when you played. And obviously, obviously it helped having you in the team, Joe, as someone who played football in the back garden. But yeah, um, but nowadays, and, and it's, this season's probably an exception because we've had so many injuries, but and, and there have been players that from the youth team not necessarily bristolian but you know you know you know what point i'm making but it does give that club that uh, that extra identity and the club in 2000 2001 in you know, in your prime as bristol city players was a lot of bristol players which was great to see yeah i think i think the other thing as well you would literally uh, you would run for a brick, brick wall for the club i think you would and i think that was a mentality of all those lads who come through and whether that was instilled in them and they had that affiliation for the club that yeah I think and it is a little bit lost you know it is a little bit lost at the moment but there we are I think that we used to have back there is back then as well because where we were all mates like we although we were mates we used to like literally get on each other's back like you wouldn't believe during yeah. the game and straight after the game we walk off and you know you've called him whatever you've called him and you've, you've had a row and as soon as you're in the changing you forget about it I don't think, I don't think what I what I ended up seeing just before I retired um, was that certain players would go off in their little clicks and they thought it was personal. It's not. It's not a case. It's a personal me having or anyone having a personal dig at a player. Is it is is doing it to make sure you get a get better out of them 
so that it benefits everybody. Especially if you see someone ripping it up day in, day out in training, and all of a sudden on Saturday they're doing something, you're thinking, come on, you're, you're better than that. And then you, you have a little pop and you, you want to see a reaction and a good reaction. I think I used to, I ended up seeing I think some of them some of them coming through is just a little bit of a different breed these days in the sense that I think certain players can probably take things a little bit too personal. I think that's one of the benefits that we had, and, um, but that come with being yeah. you know really good mates as well. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, there's a lot more honesty, wasn't there? And I saw that in other clubs and other teams I played in. There was such an honesty amongst that squad. I guess in hindsight, might have been not the best players, and I'm sure budget-wise at the time, we wouldn't have been the highest budget in that league at the time. I'm sure I could see that from the young lads coming through and what we were earning at the time. But no, certainly in honesty, and that certainly uh, would have helped us. You mentioned running through brick walls, Joe. Um, how was your disciplinary record as a, as a, as a City player? Really, really good, I think. I was always like, yeah, yeah, really good. I only got sent off once in my career. And that was and that was a, uh, a wrongful dismissal or whatever, if you like. And that was like non-league days, really. Right. Yeah. And Colsey, I can remember uh, a few a few reds and yellows for you. I think. Yeah, I had a few reds, perhaps. To be fair, <laughs> uh, I didn't really stop. Any any, <laughs> any memories? Any uh, any notable red cards that you want to share with us? Um, we're going away. Okay, what do you do? Professional foul, drag him back. I kind goal. of tackled Nathan Ellington around his waist and then stood up and went, what? I ain't done anything. <laughs> and it, funnily enough, I had it sent to me over the last sort of six months. I think I put it in the I think I put it in the chat actually, one of the chats the other week. And um you scroll through it. It's the most horrific tackle I think I've ever done in my life, mate. You look back now, you like, <clears throat> Pardon? Did he stop the goal? Stop a goal. No, nah, we had about four or five behind the ball. <laughs> it was a, a counter-attack, but he was, he was listen, he was at a point when he was on fire at Wigan anyway. Um, yeah. And uh, I think we ended up losing the game 1-0. Um, but funnily enough, I looked at it, I looked at when I looked earlier on, on soccer base actually, and uh, you'd look at the fact, I think I must have only missed one game because I played the following yeah. Saturday. So I think we must have had a Tuesday night game, which I probably missed. Whereas now it would obviously be a straight free game. How did it work in terms of um, in terms of fines for you as well? Did you did you actually get fined from the club when you got sent off? Yeah, you, it was a percentage, I think. In in later, I can't. I, do you know what? It, it City. I can I can't remember. I can't remember if fines then, but I know when I got sent off at other places that it was a percentage of my wages. Right. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, we're, we're just past the magical hour mark, which is the sort of length that I try and aim for on the podcast. But I, I, I want to just obviously let the listeners know what you up to now. So starting with you, Joe, you, you left football. Um, I think your last club was Bath City um, or maybe even Shepton Mallet. Team hashtag actually, Patch, but well, team yeah, hashtags my lady. Talk too much about that. And and I, what was going through my mind when Col- when Colsey spoke about um when you <laughs> on the pitch the uh, the amount of uh, abuse that we throw at each other and <laughs> and the fact that then then you're all friends back in the changing rooms. Obviously, you know that happens now in Fiverr side, and you have to sort of phone up people and apologise afterwards, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> <laughs> 
every Monday I drive home after playing five side apology apologizes every player because my yeah my weekly frustrations are taken out on all my teammates and I guess you got you as a footballer you've got that will to win haven't you and it's hard it's hard to switch off even on a, a you know rubbish five side with your mates but hey, come on less of the rubbish um yeah, so I, I left Exeter. I had an injury. I had a bad injury with a groin, which I didn't quite understand what was going on. So, and I, I'd had enough of my career was going down a pan. I just had enough of leaving club to club, and I wanted to be in control of my destiny. So I set up a business, set up an estate agent's boss. Was at Bath City. Bath City was quality for me because we had Scott Murray, Alex Russell, uh, Marley Watkins, who's at Bristol City now. Which he's a young kid. Uh, we had late. We had some real good players. We were in a conference, part-time team, like literally playing playing other teams just off the park. Uh, so it was really good. So I was really fortunate, really. I could set up the stage and it's done really well. I went really enjoying it. Did a little bit, bit, bit of agency work. I took on one lad, which I played against non-league and took him two Exeter, which I played at before and he'd gone on and done quite well. Did you ever think about management, coaching, staying in the game? <clears throat> I, I did. I wanted to control my own destiny to start with. The problem is very insecure football. If, you, if you're going to be a coach or, or a manager, I mean, you know, look at, no further than Dean Holden. He's just lost his job after not long being involved. Um, so I didn't want that instability with a young family. So I wanted so, but I'm in a place now where I'm 40 now and I, I do miss being part of football. It's quite a lot of football, as I probably spoke to Dan about a bit earlier. I don't necessarily agree with a lot of it. I think the culture's changed. I think the game's moved on. I think that would suit me more. So never say never. I do harbour an ambition to be some role, but I just don't know what that role will be and if it will ever happen. Yeah, I, I always thought sort of growing up and going through your football career and being club captain for Bristol City, which we haven't mentioned, again, unbelievable to be captain of your football team. Um, you've got those managerial qualities. Uh, so it's something that is is there for you. Well, yeah, I've kind of proved, proved that starting a business. You know, that's not hard to do that. Anyone to tell you that you set up your own business, the hours you put in, the dedication, staff and whatever else, and touch wood, it's gone quite well. So... I've done it outside of football as well, and there's a lot of similarities, you know, a lot of crossovers. Uh, so yeah, I never say never, and I think it might. I'll get. I'm feeling that itch now, so yeah, we'll see. Cozy, same for you. Uh, you you obviously left football behind, and uh, just tell the listeners what you're up to now. Yeah, so I kind of had it planned a little bit, sort of when I left uh, Bristol Rovers to go to Exeter. I spoke to my agent at the time then about uh, plans beyond beyond football um and that was to sort of my aim was to go and work with 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 them um and I've been doing it maybe six years in September now um so I, I do the uh, the agency side of it and yeah it's, it's it's still in the game um a lot of people have said to me about coaching over the years and said like you thought naturally you'd go straight into it but um it was more the agency side of it that I sort of I wanted to go into with you know looking after the younger younger ones and mentoring and sort of hoping they don't and helping them not make the mistakes that I potentially did when I was a youngster and um, yeah just you know it, it's 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 gone well it's gone very well brilliant and yeah to be still involved in the game that almost day to day almost experiencing it through the players that you look after as well I guess you sort of compare it to how it was in your day naturally and some bits are maybe better, some bits are probably worse. Yeah, like, it, it is, it's brilliant, like, because the best part of the job is you still go and watch a lot of football. Yeah, we did like go and watch a lot of football. You sort of, naturally, <laughs> I'd watch a sort of 23s on a Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, 
I'd watch a youth team game on a Saturday morning, then on a Saturday afternoon, go and watch a first team game. Um, and it's it's good that you're sort of going around and you, you're watching you're watching all your clients, and that was the best part. But the the worst part is you, if they're having one, you can't really do anything about it either. Do you know what I mean? That's where you're not you're not in control. But um, but no, it's it's we got some we got some fantastic, exciting um, players coming up, and just just some incredible people that we. Um, we represent so just as in people as themselves, you know, there's some fantastic characters. So is it is it exciting times to see um how a lot of them are gonna develop and see see where they go. Yeah, and, and a question for, for both of you, or come to Joe first, but obviously you've got a boy play that plays football and you probably see players he plays against or plays with and you think that they've got it or some sort of natural flair, natural talent. Do you sort of how how would what would you approach sort of notifying someone like Cozy or or someone that you know about them and setting them on a different path? Uh, so I, I have done that. My boys play football and certain players, and uh, there was one Southampton now, so we won't name names, whatever else. But I remember a good friend of mine who came through the youth system. I told him about his player. I remember not so long ago, he sort of mentioned him. I said, you remember I told you about him, right? I was the one who identified and he quickly forgot it. But yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he was, he's a good talent. And will be, he will be, uh, you know, if he continues, you stay now. It's such a long journey, isn't it? And uh, I don't know, we speak about this all day. But yeah, I, I, I've, I have passed names to Bristol City and, uh, and whatever else. And I have done over the years, you know, I, I'd be back. I, I know when I was, got injured from Exeter, I went back to Bristol City and trained with them for a little bit. Keith Millen would, uh, yeah, join me with the players and stuff. I recommended various players, really, over the years to serve. And Colsey, for, for you, uh, in terms of signing talent to, to the agency, is that something that you are actively sort of never switching off for? No, you can't, you, you can't afford to. You've got you to actively always look at, at getting the, you know, sort of clients on board all, all, all the time, be it a younger one or... You get wind of a, a senior player that's sort of not happy with his agent, then you know you sort of you you want to get in front of them. Um, you you know you've got a, it's the main part of the job really is sort of the recruitment side of it. Obviously, aside from making sure you speak to all the clubs and finding out all the all the valuable information and seeing mm. more importantly what they think of your clients. Cool. Okay. Right. We're going to leave it there. Thank you very much to, to Danny Coles, Joe Bunnell for joining us on this pilot episode of Robins Reunited. Uh, it, it's one that, as I said at the start, I've had sort of in my mind to do for quite some time. And uh, yeah, it, it, it will grow over time. I've got other guests lined up. Um, next up is going to be Gary Hours and Rob Edwards. So uh, we're going to hear from, from those guys about their time at Bristol City, what they're up to now, um, stories uh, from, from on the road, uh, and several others in the pipeline. So hopefully you've enjoyed that, um, and we will be back again soon. But for now, thanks for listening. Cheers, Joe. Cheers, Danny. Cheers, Pat. Thank you.